Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris and I'm so glad you've joined me today on this show where I walk you through everything going on at 4x400, the company that I have the pleasure of running, which, uh, what do we do? We we acquire, operate, and grow e-commerce brands. The, literally the hardest part of the show for me every week is remembering what we do. Uh, this week, we are back in our second monthly installment of One Topic with Taylor. Taylor is here with me. We're actually live and in person, sitting at reasonable social distance, I think. And, uh, and uh, we are talking today about discounting. So stay tuned. All right, Taylor. Hi, Andrew. Wel- welcome. Welcome back to the e-commerce playbook podcast. Definitely our most seasoned guest at this point. And uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe I should get some other people in here just so it doesn't get to your head, you know? Yeah, that, there, if there's anything that's getting to my head, it's the uh, me keeping a tally of the number of appearances on this podcast. I know. It's a, um, it's a huge deal, this podcast. Uh, so that's, that's why I'm saying it, because I know that that's the way you've been thinking about it. Um, all right, so... This concept, one topic with Taylor, for those who didn't listen to the last one of these, the the idea is really simple here, which is that Taylor and I are just sort of constantly in conversation about what we're seeing in our marketing worlds. Taylor runs Common Thread Collective, the parent company for over 100, which uh, you want to tell people what Common Thread Collective does? Uh, I was going to do it. E-commerce growth agency that focuses on guiding clients on the uh, journey from zero to 30 million. Which is for example, uh, like all of our four profiler brands, go from zero to 30 million, hopefully. Hopefully we'll get to 30 million for some of them. Yeah, um, And cool. so uh, so I get to lead the brand side of it. Taylor gets to lead the agency side of it. And so all the time we have a view to what's going on in the D2C world, in uh, our brands, in our clients' brands. Um, and uh, so we just decided to start talking about these things on podcast form once a month, just kind of kick these things around a little less in the metrics specifically of 4 100 brands and a little more uh, in into the sort of the ongoing conversation that Taylor and I and, and people around us are always having. As it turns out, uh, this conversation was one that we were already kicking around having. Um, but then our good friend Nate Pulleen, at Digitally Native on Twitter. Oh, did you just out him? Did you just out his story? Are we not allowed to do that? I'm just kidding. No, I think he's cool with it. Really? <laughs> yes, oh, we I'm should ask him. I can bleep no, it. No, no, if that was it. if that name was bleeped, then, uh, then you know, you that, know he, that Nate said, please don't out me. Yeah. Um, Nate uh, is just like an unbelievably awesome guy and um, and has seen every kind of DTC thing that there is to see. He's been in some, some really big places and is in some new big places and... Um, so he has just a really good view to the D2C world. Here's his tweet. Many, tr- I'm quoting now, many truly incredible brands could have avoided peril had they made the conscious decision to eliminate discounting and promotionality. Resetting on lower sales expectations is often the better long-term play, but is the path rarely chosen. Take the medicine, not the drug. So that is like, that is one tweet that uh, nicely sums up. And the comments are great on this tweet. Go go check it out. People have a good discussion there. Um, and I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but it sets nicely the conversation that I wanted to have. And it's something we actually kicked around doing for the last one topic with Taylor, but, uh, but didn't get to it. And, and so it's just this. It's that in my view, and 4400 brands have mostly not done tons of discounting. So this, this is not coming from a place of extreme bias towards my past behavior and the way we've led things. We do some discounting, but we, we're, we're hardly like um, a... Lot, like doing lots of promotions, performance marketing brand in that respect. Um, so, but I do uh, think he's on the verge of trying to talk himself into more discounting, <laughs> which is actually perhaps. part of what I think this is. Uh, well, 
I think that's not totally wrong. And the, but the, the reason why I've had that stance that we don't do a lot of discounting is because of exactly what Nate expressed in this tweet, which is that um, all you hear about discounting in the D2C world sometimes is that like, and just in the brand world in general, is that when you discount, you're gonna get worse customers, lower value customers, you're gonna, and mostly you're gonna damage your brand. And that, and you know, good brands don't discount. That's like the mantra that people say. So. Um, I have heard all that, but I also instinctively react against sort of like pseudoscientific heuristics, which is what I think this is. I actually think if you challenge Nate that he wouldn't have a scientific study to back up, you know, what he's saying here. Not that everything like or even sort of a I wouldn't be surprised if there's some marketing academic out there with a Ph.D. who has like gone and studied this really, really seriously about what happens with discounting in the long term for brands. Um, so. I just have a hard time with like broad principles stated like this that that people aren't measuring clearly. And in my view, um, there is a combo of unchecked bias as a heuristic, um, sort of hastily drawn conclusions, and I think shame is at work here. I think that it's cooler to run a big brand that doesn't discount and maintains a premium price than a more successful brand that has incessant discount happening all the time. It's just sort of like, even if that's a more successful business from a total like profitability standpoint, it's frowned upon. It's there's something that's like sort of, yeah, like I said, less cool about doing it that way. I think I understand that there's something just like that, organic traffic is cooler. Totally. Yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> there is something really cool about the and sexy about the idea. And that's the word I use for the organic traffic conversation. There's something really sexy about the idea that you would be able to build a brand that people love and want to pay full price for. People oh, just, yeah. people just, there's something about that, like aside from business outcomes, I think people just think that's like, wow, you did it. You created an amazing brand. You, yeah, you created a thing that you didn't have to knock off and make cheaper and people just showed up for it without you having to pay for them to be there. Like you're just so cool. Everyone wants to show up and pay full price. Yeah, that's yes. sort of like the ideal state. And and that is cool. Like yeah. I would love for everybody to show up to my brands all the time and pay full price, right? right. Um, so, so I have many, many thoughts about kind of my uh, relation to this. And I and, like, and actually, I mean, all all joking aside about what I want to do with 400 brands, I really don't actually have a very strong opinion about this. This is one, a rare thing for me where I, I don't have a really clear, hard, fast thing. I don't. I know. You're, you're looking at me. Taylor's looking at me funny right now, but I don't have a strong opinion. But Taylor, you've come in hot against me on this issue. Well, okay. So, Which is funny because so many of your brands have grown big, good quality brands while via discount. Via discount. Yeah, yeah. So, so yes, I think so. I want to set the table with some numbers, okay? Because we've done a lot of like looking into this, and I think there's a couple of interesting things, okay? So, one, like we published this analysis that we've been sort of aggregating for two years now, data on 435 of the best e-commerce holiday campaigns, okay? And this is not me just trying to plug my blog, but this is like relevant to the conversation. We will put this in the show notes yeah. too, though. So we looked at literally 435 of your favorite e-commerce brands in the world um, using a combination of Web's 2PM list as well as some of our own account-based marketing lists and other things. Um, and here's some information, okay? So last Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So the, the core moment when discounting is probably, I would say, the most acceptable, this key cultural moment. Of that 463 of them, 25% of them did not discount, okay? But what that means is that 75% of the best brands in the world did discount yes. in that moment. So can we get rid of the idea? Yes. Can we just start by striking the idea that good brands don't discount? Okay, because here's some brands that ran a discount last year. How about the hottest, coolest name in the world right now, Gymshark? 
50% site-wide discount last year on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. There's not a better quote-unquote brand, just raised money at a gajillion dollar valuation. Nobody would question the brand integrity of Gymshark. Care of, 50% discount. Here's some other 25, Glossier, Goop, um, $500 million acquisition, Drunk Elephant, Outdoor Voices, ooh, maybe a bad example, back up, back up. Vital Proteins, like literally you could go through the, the Third Love, Saks, Untuck It, Mizzen in Maine, like House, everybody's favorite organic brand in the world, 25% site-wide discount. So there is Bonobos, billion dollar acquisition. There are endless quote unquote good brands that ran a giant discount. So yes, I think we just need yeah. to like discard the narrative that you can't run a discount and be and, a good brand. I think that is an important starting place because when people, like this is a heuristic. Right. And as is the case with almost every heuristic, right? What, what, what I mean by that is a thing that's generally true but not always true and is a basic guidepost to start from. Because what I can say for certain is that um, uh, when everything is going poorly, and this is what's right about Nate's tweet, when everything is going poorly, the temptation is run a sale so that you um, so that you can grab the cash because you right. know it's a way to do it and what that is often is a workaround of solving bigger and harder problems yes. and I and I do think I that becomes that. a cyclical addictive thing often related to the addiction to performance marketing like paid media on Facebook yep. and you know never getting organic traffic and all those things and and like like with all these things part of the thing I'm calling for here is nuance as much as anything else and just a little more carefulness with the way we say things a little more strategic thoughtfulness because what you're saying here though is is right which these brands probably are thinking a little harder about that sort of stuff and it also by the way does fit one nice thing which is um, like when I was a strategist at CTC when, when I did I would I'd tell any client who came to me like if you never discount, but you discount at BFCM, your brand will be fine. Right. It like BF. Everybody can get away with a discount at BFCM. You're not damaging your brand irre irrevocably or something. If well, you don't. I think about it like this: like Gymshark is totally fine discounting because all of the other days of the year they work really hard to make the brand experience special. That's right. And it's just like a relationship. Like I, I think we underestimate that a relationship with a brand is a lot like a human relationship. Which is to say that if you do something that makes me think less of you in a moment. The aggregate view of my relationship based on all your other behavior can outweigh that moment, right? So there is no single action that creates the actual definition of somebody's relationship with you, right? But what Nate is getting at, and I think you hit it on, and it is important to acknowledge, is that the that using discount is a shortcut to a revenue number. So like if you are faced with the choice that he's presenting, which is this idea between I miss my revenue target for the month, or I run a last second promotion to spike revenue, that choice is the one that becomes dangerous. And I think that is, these things can be mutually true. And Nate, yeah, and Nate does a nice job saying there. I really hope he doesn't mind if we call him Nate because that's like 14 times. Yeah, Somebody's going to have to do a lot of bleeping here. Um, anyway, uh, what he says there is take the missed revenue for the month yes. in that case. Yes. And, and I actually think that if you haven't thought about it, if you haven't thought hard about it, that's probably right. right. And and if you're not in, I remember we had a client once who said, yeah, I'd like to stop discounting, Taylor, but like I have to keep the lights on this yep. month. And in that respect, that's fine. Do like live to fight another day, yep. I think, you know, yep. if, if you're really in that kind of a place. And I mean, yeah, I, I understand that. So so that's another kind of area where it's going to be good. But, but if that's not where you're at, if you're just going to miss a target and that's the one thing like I, I think what Nate is saying is right, which is like think hard before you go and do that. Right. 
So, so I think that we acknowledge that the shortcut to revenue acquisition, if that's the primary goal of discounting, that's really dangerous. And it does become intoxicating because it's really effective. That's the other dangerous. And we work with a brand really closely for a long time, a sunglass brand, Andrew, that you and I work with, that we watched die this death, yeah. right? That we feel like did take this choice too many times to get there. We watched it happen a little bit with Kalo for a long time where I think there was a pattern that it got into a little bit of too often the pathway to revenue was to lower the entry point to the price, which sort of was a substitute for better work, like you're saying. But I want to talk about some examples where I think discounting is a good mechanism. Okay. And I want to do it by, so I listened to, I think his name's Daniel Elk, the founder of uh, Spotify. Is that correct? Fact check me. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. Okay. And he talks about how in the early days of Spotify, they had to convince record labels that giving up short-term revenue, Daniel Eck. Daniel Eck, sorry, yes. They had to convince record labels to give up the short-term revenue um, and license their music to Spotify. And it was a trust problem. The record labels, because Spotify had no proven history, had no reason to trust them. So what he did is he guaranteed them the revenue upfront. His mechanism of shortcutting the trust was to say, you're right. You shouldn't trust me. You have no reason to, so I will take the onus on. And he guaranteed big revenue numbers to record labels, and he bet on himself and ended up winning. In a lot of ways, I think in the early days of a brand, especially if you believe in the product, and I'll use Bamboo Earth, and I'm gonna show you what I mean by this example in a second. If your product is awesome, and you have no reason for people to trust you, you have no longstanding history, you're newer, but you believe that the product truly is an excellent experience, that discounting the entry point, to give people a chance to experience what is happening is a similar bet. So I'm gonna give you a couple numbers to back up this claim. That's, that's a, I wanna actually pause on that. I think it's a great, that's a really helpful comment. The idea there is if you expect the product to do work of retention, yes. which is one of the reasons people say don't discount because they right. say you get a worse customer. Right, you, you so disc that's what I'm gonna go after right Discount yep. buyers are discount buyers for forever. That's a purchase behavior. That means that that person will never be worth more to now, I actually would just pause there, and I'll mostly leave this aside and let you get to your numbers. Yep. But um, I'd pause there and say that's fine with me. Right. Some I want the discount customers, I, I'm, unless I'm Prada or right. something like where like yep. that is the brand. Yeah. Like I I want every customer I can get, and so if I have to make a little less money on the discount customer, but I don't tank the other customers, if if one's not an exclusion to the other. I want to figure out how to reach both because right. those discount customers are not buying from me at full price in most cases, that's right? right? That, because they're so, that's what they're going to do. So in my view, I just think that's one of the things is to separate them. Right. Recognize that you're talking to two different people there and then treat them as different people and then think about your strategy for both. So yeah. that's the way I would approach that issue. It's not to say I'm leaving a whole group of customers on the table. Again, unless I'm like a super premium brand or, the, or if I'm Dollar Tree and going the other way, right? Right. And, so, and I think this, what, yeah, what I'm more talking about is you're, you're an early stage business. There's no yes. reason for anybody to believe you. Yes. There just isn't, and you don't have the cachet to just say, because I said so, right? So I, I think about it as like sampling at Costco. Like if you're a new product and you're on the shelves, you have to figure out a way to get someone to try it. Yeah. And on the reality is price is a lever. And here's the fascinating thing if the product's great. So Bamboo Earth, okay? Which doesn't discount that often. How often, like, well, so you run a. So uh, we run on our skin quiz. Yep. There the you go. thing okay. you land on says 20% off on the product okay. as, as the thing. That's mostly a price anchoring mechanism more than it is like an overt. But, but we don't, but we don't, um, 
advertise that. So we're not running yes. big site-wide sales. It. Yeah. It's just a way to get you to finish the purchase at checkout, basically. That's right. That's right. Okay, so, so Bamboo Earth, I'm looking at your cohort-specific LTV data in our growth data tool. Shout out, coming soon publicly. But here is your average order value. I'm looking at year-to-date numbers. Okay, so the total cohort set, the total population or subset here is uh, year-to-date customers, okay? Average order value on order zero, $64.15, okay? 60-day LTV, $87.19, okay? So a really healthy $23 increase within yeah, 30 some odd percent okay? increase in the value. So now what I'm gonna do is I'm going to pull up all customers have who have purchased using a discount code, okay? So any purchase using a discount code for Bamboo Earth. Yeah, this is gonna be interesting because this will keep out, that skin quiz doesn't require a discount code. Right. So now this is like, this is gonna be like really people who used a code. It is this somebody who's very- like Thank very, You 10, Bamboo Beauty, you know, like yeah. any of those, like the welcome flow, anything yeah. that's a discount code. It's very consciously a discount. It's somebody saw, right. the, saw the thing at one price and then we are sending them this code to go get it cheaper. That's right. Average order value? Yeah. $75.99. Higher. Higher. LTV in 60 days, $100.25. That's super interesting. So 50% increase almost. So not only not do you quite, have yeah. a higher AOV, okay, but you have roughly the same and actually even I a didn't little know this. better. This is interesting. A little better 60-day LTV. So to me, there's this question again, and part of that I believe, and I haven't, I, I'm really interested, I want to run this for every client we have is to compare discount versus non-discount customers because I don't know that it's true for everybody. But the thing about Bamboo Earth that we know is that before we did anything great tactically, the LTV was great. Yeah. And the reason why? The product, the product is awesome. Is awesome. Yeah. So pay, taking a discount to put something in people's hands that is fundamentally going to be an amazing experience, that's a consumable, I think is a decision that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's defensible. And I think like the data would show that, again, this goes back to what else does the brand do to make the relationship special? What, what else contributes to how you view them as a company besides the yeah. price? And price is only one piece of it. And it's still priced, uh, at the end of the day, you're still paying above average. It's like it's like a medium premium, I would say. It's like it's like uh, definitely a step up from middle of the pack in terms of where skincare is priced. That's right. For Bamboo Earth, um, just so in the, so, and I am thinking like most most Bamboo customers are using other skincare probably. Um, so they, they're gonna have a context for your pricing here. Yep. And yep. It's gonna, your price is gonna communicate something to them. So yeah, so either way, even with a discount, they're gonna get a thing that may be more expensive than what they're buying right now or whatever. So yeah, that, that is interesting. I think the other thing that's interesting there is I wonder if a discount allows people to try out a couple of products at once instead of just one or one of our more expensive or full bottles. Like if it just pushes people to go take a different kind of um, That's gamble on their skincare than yep. before, right? So that maybe they're not just going to try the cleanser, they're going to try the cleanser and the toner yep. or something because they have a discount on it. Like, I, I don't know if that's the, the case, but I wonder if that's what's going on there. So yeah, that's super, super interesting. So so I think, so this goes back to the, again, this idea of like, why are you discounting in two? So, so one of the, everybody's favorite examples of this is like Nike, right? Is that if you think about a brand like Nike, it's really simple to say that in, on the basis they don't discount. Right, but I think it's more complex than that. Right. First of all, it's not true. Right. They, they absolutely discount. Right. So, but it's all about 
that, that when you speak to customers, you don't speak to them in singular ways. Like right. in retail, there's a whole channel distribution strategy that is discounted sales. Yes. It's Ross, it's Marshalls, it's Nordstrom's Rack, all places where you can find Nike's outlets, outlets at discounts, right? Yeah. So there's a whole mechanism for this that isn't the premier Nike.com homepage. Yeah, but a lot of people go to Ross. Right. And you're never going to reach those people with your brand. Exactly. And, and, if, and people sometimes frame... Um, Chris Cantino was all over this in that same thread, actually yep. from uh, uh, he's an investor and stuff. Anyway, Chris um, had said the same thing. Like the discounting allows you to reach all of these different channels that you're right. not going to reach otherwise because you're going to reach different customers. The Ross customer is not going into right. some of these other stores, and and if you and people sometimes frame discounting as it's as as, as if it's opposed to scale. Right. Um, and I and and again, I understand how if you're reliant and addictive on there, then it can be. But the other thing I know too is like. Again, this is where there's like, there's so much specificity here. On Nike's campus, I've been there. The employee store is all half off. That's not a statement for the people at Nike that the product isn't valuable. It's to say you are a specific subset of people that deserve something special from us Nike. Yes. Right? The same thing, athletes. I know lots of athletes who receive a sponsorship to a wholesale athlete website on Nike where guess what? It's not full price product. Okay, and that doesn't devalue the perception of Nike for that subset of people. In fact, that's a pathway to getting people to value it because then athletes will wear it. Exactly, and yeah. so like, so again, there are all these ways in which the question is, what is the discount doing, and what is it intending to serve? So, if you think about ways to reward people with discounts, that are these loyal subsets of people, like athletes or employees or whoever, like that is a one mechanism that you can use discounting for. It's a leverage tool to offer reward to people, to give, to let you them know you care about them, to give them special access, right? So that is like there's just all these ways in which discounting can be used in ways that actually deepen the brand connection. So, so two other things on that. One of them is. Um, we, you and I, I don't know if you remember this conversation. We talked to somebody who had been a digital marketer at Nike. Yes. And he said they discount plenty to people. Yep. But what's never see it, but you just never see it if you buy at full price. That's right. So if you're a full price customer, you are never getting the discount email from, from Nike. And the only way you're getting that discount email is if you, you look and you look and you look and you look and you don't buy. And they eventually like have run the numbers to figure out where you're going to drop off. And then they're going to offer you a discount to try to get you. And that's part of the thing I'm pointing at. What that that is so much cheaper than acquiring a new customer. That's right. You've already reached them. They're already to your website, and if you could just give them twenty percent off after they've already told you, "I'm not buying full price," right. Right? right? Then then you could potentially turn that customer into dollars instead of just leaving them on the table and walking away. And that's really relevant for brands scaling on paid media because yeah. those those clicks are pricey, and you're trying to turn that into money fast. So um, so yeah, they're just being really smart about how to do that. One thing we're doing right now, I mean, I actually just tweeted about this today, is that we we are starting to look through where the drop-off points are, points are in all of our email flows. Uh, we're just doing this in order of the biggest flows across all of 4500. So yep. starting with skin quiz completers for Bamboo Earth, which there's tons and tons of those who haven't bought, where do they drop off? If When do I know that they're not going to buy and and how do we handle that? Oh, phone call. Sorry, sorry. Let's do this live. Um, no, so... So yeah, so so we're going to go figure that out and then we'll think about what do we say to that person? What's the thing that is the next most important thing to say? The other thing I want to say about that is your brand isn't Nike. Right. So when I hear people in the right. D2C world and they do this all the time, talk about how, man, look at what Nike did. Like that's great branding. Did it up. First of all, the cart's driving the horse there. If right. Nike did it, everybody's going to say it's great branding. Right. Secondly, like your brand is not Nike. You have not spent years and years and years and years um, 
seeding your products to the greatest athletes in the world in every possible sport, making it abundantly clear that the best golfer in the world wears Nike, the best basketball players wear Nike, sure. the best whatever, right? Like, my point is in part, first of all, to look at who you're comparing to because people make this, I think, mistake all the time. Secondly, um, I'm also not trying to build as big of a business as Nike is. So uh, so a good outcome for 4 by 400 is really, really different than that. And that probably needs to change how I... Uh, or change how I approach my targets. Um, but the other thing is that kind of brand investment um, is incredibly complicated, often takes a long time to build and is often expensive. And if yep. you are not venture backed and if you do not have the skill of building that kind of brand, then you should not build your business that way. And this is another really important point. I think that you should build your business um, relative to what you are good at. Right. So like it's probably the case that uh, I would be very bad as a brand marketer at Nike or whatever, because I haven't spent years and years honing that skill. Um, and uh, and whereas some of those people would be terrible running my performance marketing, uh, despite their incredible brand marketers, because they just haven't gone and, and had the same reps. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so I think the thing that we're sort of getting at here, too, like I think about this with CTC. Right. So a B2B service business in the early days of our business. And again, this all goes back to trust for me is that. Nobody had any reason to trust us, right? And so for us, there were moments where price became a mechanism to earn the opportunity to prove our value. And I mean, I would, I would receive the argument that that might have been a mistake. But what I can tell you is that holding price equity now is way easier than it was on day one, right? And so I think that sometimes we get a little binary with this in terms of, if you discount ever, you are somehow locked into a behavior that is ingrained into customers' brains in a way that I just don't believe. Again, it goes back to, I believe that you are the sum of total interactions over a long period of time with your customers, more so than you are any single thing. Now, I think there's a question on the initial entry point into how they discovered you that I would say, I want to as little as possible make the discovery element feel cheap. And if, if you can avoid the discovery element or the reason that they initially showed up as being a sort of access to a free iPad type feeling, then I think that that lays a foundation for there to be more variable interactions going forward. And I, I just think that, that like one of the things we overestimate in people in, in marketers sometimes is like how ingrained we are in people's minds. Like there is room for their opinion of us to change yeah. in any direction, positively or negatively. Man, that's so true. There's the that that's a good principle too. Just the sort of like, uh, it starts with what you win them to is what you win them through. Yeah. Uh, other way, what you win them through is what you win them to. Sorry. Yep. Um, and uh, and then and then over time, there is room for change depending on how loyal that person is. So probably in the very short term, if you went forty percent off to get them into your product, and then you try and double the price with no discount, it's unlikely that you're going to make that that's happen. Right. That's right. But in the grand scheme, and you actually may have to leave that customer on the table for, or or talk to them a certain way for the rest of your brand's existence if they've already purchased that way. That's right. But if somebody saw an ad once for forty percent off your brand and they never see that again for two years, you probably didn't destroy your brand, that's right? right? Like it's 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 possible. Um, to, to do things better and different over more time. Uh, and that's what brand marketing is. It's changing, you know, it's it's changing the way that your brand is perceived. So Yeah. So I think my, my conclusion, if I were to wrap this up, is that the question is like when you go to discount, the hard check, and like I use that as like an overly emotional statement, but the reality is what is motivating this? Yeah. Is it because you are short of the revenue? If you feel yourself using this as a mechanism to achieve a number written in a spreadsheet somewhere, there are no... Th- actions that don't have a reaction. And there will be some cost to that behavior. 
But if you were doing it intentionally with purpose to accomplish something else to make people feel special, to feel rewarded, to like whatever the motivation is, I don't know. But then I would say that there is more room in that. So the question is just like, what is the trigger and what is the consequence of that action? And this is something I tell my team all the time. I do not care if they're wrong. I just, right. I, I do not care. If they make, if they build a, a, an offer on something or a landing page or an ad or even launch a product or something like that and it does not go well, I don't care. I never kill somebody for not being able to predict the future. What kills me is if you miss on things like that and you, and then you never analyze what happened or if your thought work was really sloppy leading up to it yeah. or whatever. That's the stuff that really, really kills me because um, you know we don't have an endless uh, war chest of cash to, to, to right. work from. So so to me, when I, when I think about this, like somebody could reasonably make the case, hey, if we don't discount for this brand, then our customer, then our repeat rate will be better because we'll attract higher value customers and da da da. And I say, that's a totally reasonable supposition. Um, show me how you got there yep. and then and yep. then show me how you're gonna measure it. That's right. And show me how it worked. If you can do those couple things, then you then you go that way. If you wanna say, I believe we could have a 20% off sale every month or we could be the gap. And every single week there is a, a different offer on our product and here's all the brands in our space that do the same thing and they're bigger and they're doing great and you, whatever. Then I'm open to that. I just wanna see it well reasoned. And I think the problem, I think this is the actual thing I'm kicking against with this and the whole reason I brought it up and this will bring us full, full circle and let us wrap, um, is, there, is that oftentimes heuristics like this become shortcuts to real thought work. And, uh, and shortcuts to thinking deeply in, in brands. And that bothers me. Yep. The other thing is it becomes a way, I think what, what is driving this for people sometimes is something much more human than they're really letting on, which is sort of like, you don't want to miss revenue because you will disappoint somebody and you hate disappointing people. Like, I mean, just like as the same way you hate disappointing your friends or your wife, right? right? It's not as it, thought out about yeah, the yeah. brand implications no, no. 24 months from That's now. That's right. Right, yeah. Right. Or, or like, or like you really need to hit your revenue numbers. Maybe no, you don't. Right. And maybe you actually do need to like strap in and, and be fine missing your revenue numbers for one month and your personal worth or personal, like human worth is not going to tied up in that. Yeah. Right. All those things. So, um, those are, that's what I think is going on. The, the heuristic can be useful as an entry point to thought work. It's really bad as the entire thought work. That's right. Um, and that tends to be the case with most things, which is like the antithesis of Twitter. And even what I hate, I feel like there's this joke I make, which is like the nuance hammer, which is like any statement that you make could be made with some edge case that excludes it. Right. Yeah. And so I hate to do that. And I get what Nate was going on. I don't even think we're necessarily saying, I think we're probably coming into agreement more than anything yeah, else. No. Um, and I, and Nate, Nate's tweet didn't, isn't the thing that got this going for me. Yeah, no, I know you were, you were eager to discount well before that, but, um, but yeah, so, so in in some, like you have a lot to do to make your relationship with your customer mean something. Um, and the sum of all of it, um, matters. And and the, the story you tell about the way that you discount and whether it's cheap or not matters too, but it's not the whole thing. Um, and be thoughtful. And I think if you do that, then there's opportunity on the other side of every discount to keep growing and keep being healthy and brands have proven it. Yep. All right. Thanks, Taylor. That was good. I I was really nervous about our ability to wrap this up under the time when you had to go home and parent and I had to go home and parent. Yeah. I'm definitely late to a meeting, but uh, such is life. You you told me about 30 minutes. I know. I know. Because I'm a horrible time manager and (laughs) working on it. All right. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. I, uh, I think that is everything. I hope you are uh, doing well, getting ready for Black Friday and all locked in. We will hear from you, talk to you soon. Thanks. 
All right, so I hope you found that episode helpful and good. If you are like me, you've heard so much chatter around discounting, um, and I hope that Taylor's and my discussion was useful to you. I always find Taylor stimulating to listen to about a lot of different stuff. He's um, he's really a, an um, excellent thinker and excellent leader, and he's just seen so many brands at this point, both from being on the brand side, working with us and our brands, being at Kalo and stuff before that. And then of course, in his role at CTC, he sees a ton of brands as well. So, um, so that's really the hope is just to bring some of that into your brain as well and get you thinking. Uh, these episodes, I think these one topic with Taylor episodes, I think are less likely to be um, wrapped up with one idea, one takeaway and more hopefully get your brain going um, alongside ours as we do this. I always find those conversations to do that for me. Um, my hope is that it does the same for you. So I uh, also would love your feedback as always. Just reach out to us at podcast at 4x400.com. It's podcast at 4x400.com. Follow uh, both of us at Andrew J. Ferris and at Taylor Holiday on Twitter. Get involved in the conversation there at Digitally Native. Um, if you want to see Digitally Native, um, I think there's no E on native. Um, I did put in the show notes the link to that tweet, so make sure to go check that out, um, as well as the, the document that Taylor referenced that had breakdowns of all kinds of different brands, discounting strategies from, from big moments. So that's all there for you in the show notes. Um, and I think that is it for this week. I hope things are going well with you, and we will see you next week.